Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the J&J NY Baseball Show. Josh and Jamie here uh, to talk about the finishing touches of the 2016 MLB season. It seems like uh, just yesterday we, we had our first podcast, Josh. It's pretty crazy that we're already at the end of the season. We have, what, like 30 episodes up, or it seems like? I mean, we've... We've been doing this since March, and it's it's. We've stuck with it. Stuck with it. It's been um, a lot of fun, and we're glad that we have people who listen, who actually ask us why we haven't posted in, in a couple of weeks and, and whatnot, which I can explain to you all at some other point. But alas, here we are, final week of the season. But um, before we talk about baseball, we have some bad news to to talk about. And we're not going to put a time limit on on the uh, the untimely death. Of Jose Fernandez, uh, I think Josh and I are just gonna go for a little bit and reminisce and mourn. It's what a horrible tragedy! It, it's it really is a shame. I mean, I found out about this on Sunday morning along with everybody else. I got a buzz on my phone. I was actually playing in a softball playoff game, and I got a buzz on my phone simultaneously from MLB, the MLB app, and from Jamie. And it was it was almost shocking that um, you hear about this. The guy was supposed to pitch on Monday. He had just pitched the best game of his career. Literally, I remember looking at his stats last week, saying on Baseball Reference, saying to myself, like, if this guy keeps it up, he's going to end up being a 300-game winner. 300-game winner. Easily. A, without, a without Cy Young doubt. winner at some point in his career. I mean, <laughs> the kid was 24 years old, and he was a top forget pitcher, a top player in the league. Easily yeah. one of the best. Top, of top the best. three pitchers in the league. Kershaw, Fernandez. I don't even know who else you put in yeah, that I conversation. Mean, maybe Bumgarner. Maybe. 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 I but mean... It, it's, it's, it's horrible. I mean, just to see what his potential was, to, to hear about how beloved he was by his family, by the Miami community, to see it on the field... Um, when the Mets and the Marlins played the next day. I, I, I've never seen professional athletes legitimately sobbing. I mean, they look human. On a field, They're, I mean. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a startling reminder that, that these guys, yeah, they're, they're big men, but they, they're, they're people. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, I think we can argue, is one of the biggest sluggers in baseball. He's physically imposing, and he hits the ball hard Certainly. every time he's up. I mean, the guy had, was warming up, and, and you could see his eyes were puffy and red, and he had tears dripping down his cheeks. D. Gordon, first of all, this is the stuff that like happens only in movies, but he hits a leadoff home run. His first home run of the season. First home run in, in like in a very long time, and he absolutely crushed it. Did you hear? He, did you hear what D. Gordon was quoted as saying after the? After he hasn't hit that game? far in batting practice. He said he's never hit a ball as far yeah. for, as far as he did in his life. Yeah, it was. It was unbelievable. But he touches second base, and he's running the bases. He starts tearing. He gets the home plate, and, and he just loses it. I mean, yeah. and the coaches were crying. I mean, I don't care if you're a Mets fan, if you're a Marlins fan, if you're a Colorado Rockies fan, if you're a whoever fan. You're a you, baseball you have to be touched fan. By this. You're a baseball fan, and you're, you're a fan of good people, too. It seems like Jose Fernandez was just an amazing influence. I, I read a story um, either yesterday or today, I forget, um, about a a child at a game that he was at who was begging for autographs. He was not having any luck, and until Jose Fernandez, a young kid, lucky to play, lucky to be in the MLB, saw that this other kid 
wanted an autograph. Jose Fernandez goes up to this kid in the stands pregame, not only gives him an autograph, but he asks for the little child's autograph in return. I mean, that's... You don't hear about these kind of people. It it, it doesn't seem like the people, the, the players are in it for the fans as much anymore. And it seems like Jose Fernandez was in it for the fans, was realized how lucky he was to be forget about, for, mean, forget about being a superstar but just to be in the MLB in the MLB he realized it and it's just it's just tragic i mean the whole thing is heartbreaking and i think it's important to understand his a little bit of his backstory um fernandez tried to defect from cuba three times and he was thrown in jail each of the three times he tried to escape on the fourth time, when he was 15 years old, he, he escaped. He was on a boat that was being riddled with bullets from the Cuban Coast Guard. They're in the middle of the, um, of the sea off the coast of Florida, and a woman falls out of the boat. And he just dives in to go save the woman because the woman fell off the boat. He, he's strong. He had to go save the woman. He realized after he pulled her to safety, it was his mother. I mean, can you imagine, imagine that happening? I mean, no, it, 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 it's, 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 it's crazy. A, it's such it's a just... foreign concept, but it shows the resiliency of this kid. Absolutely. It shows his, his strong will and how much you know, freedom meant him. And you know, the, the quote, American dream. I mean, he, you don't he, hear about he, this he, stuff anymore. He went from Cuba to Mexico to Florida. So he basically, he was, he was an immigrant. I mean, the guy's an immigrant. He, yeah. It's like these immigrants you hear about, like our grandparents coming into this country. Yeah, it's the American dream and, and from building 80 years something ago. from nothing. Yeah. I mean, literally, this guy was the epitome of the American dream. And I think when we talk about, and, and, and I believe it was Rich Waltz, who's the um, Florida Marlins TV announcer, mentioned that in the last few days, you don't talk about her, Fernandez's stats. It's all about Jose Fernandez is the person the and what person. he meant to, to, to the city of Miami. I mean, he was Miami. Miami is a huge Cuban-American population. And this guy was Cuban-American. He was able to bridge the gap between young and the old. He just had an immense amount of joy for baseball. There's a great clip of Jose Fernandez going absolutely bananas on the yeah, bench. Yeah, I saw that too. It was a home run that John Carlos Stanton hit in July, and I think they were losing 7-3 to three at the time. Solo home run, and he was going crazy because he was just, it was, the ball was hit far. I mean, Because yeah, he loves the game. He, was. he loves his teammates. And mm-hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about, about the Mets-Marlins series itself too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, somebody had to be the first team to play against the Marlins um, you know, post- Post this tragedy, and, and these are important games to the Mets. Also, and yeah. I think that makes it all the more so special. Obviously, in the midst of the wild card hunt, so certainly, um, certainly important games. Mm-hmm. And with, with just with all this emotion, I think the way that both teams handled it was great. Now let's separate the Mets and the Marlins for a second. The way that the the Mets came in and respected the Marlins, a divisional rival respected the life of a fallen brother, Jose Fernandez, respected his talent for sure, but also his love for the game. Between the hugs that they shared, the, the Mets and the Marlins, the players, um, Joanna Cespedes hung up a Jose Fernandez jersey in the Mets dugout, and after the series, the entire Mets team signed that jersey and gave it to the Marlins to, you know, as a sort of commemorating um, 
not gift, but just a, you know, relic of, of appreciation for, for Jose Fernandez. So I thought that was, I thought the way that the Mets under Terry Collins' leadership and probably Sandy Alderson too. And the Wilpons. And the Wilpons, absolutely. Just a class act for sure. I think it's important to note that this must have resonated a lot for the Mets front office, for the Wilpons, and for people who had been around the Mets for a long time. Because in 2001, the Mets were the, um, were the team being comforted, as it seemed, by the Atlanta Braves, where it was the first game played in New York after September 11th. Um, the Mets were the home team. And the Braves came out of the dugout to, to, to hug the Mets, to greet the Mets, to console the Mets, you know. And, and everybody was impacted one way or another by, by the tragedy. But uh, the Mets, as the home team, it sort of they needed that extra boost. And I think it was special sort of in, in, in the circle of how things go that the Mets were able to pay it forward a little bit. Certainly. The Mets were the team now consoling the Marlins. And, and obviously you never want these tragedies you never, to happen. Never, never, you but, never. And I, and, I, and I think that everybody feels the same way where everybody's sort of, sort of saddened, shocked, and, and, and feels that it's a tragedy no. one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but I think the Wilpons and the Mets and, and, and that whole group were... were were they were happy is the wrong word, but they were they were they were able to provide to, to a service, pay, to pay a comfort, it forward, to pay it forward, exactly. And just as Mike Piazza did, had his heroics in that game, post nine eleven, there was D Gordon, and you know the Marlins ended up winning that game. You know certainly one win doesn't uh, doesn't commemorate a superstar's life, but the what what the Marlins did between mm-hmm. putting. Uh, Jose Fernandez's number on the mound and then subsequently retiring this kid's number. He's the first Marlin to have his number retired. And he deserves it. Uh, he, he absolutely. You know, I just hope that the MLB does something too. I saw, I think it might have been Buster Olney mm-hmm. or somebody. They, and An MLB should have a, a, an annual award in Jose Fernandez's name, like a, a, a love of the, the, love of the game award or something. Absolutely, what a great idea! It's a f- and it doesn't idea. exist. It should exist already. If it doesn't exist, what a totally. great idea! And and you talk about you know post Derek Jeter, right? You hear about who's the new face of baseball? Is it Mike Trout? Well, he plays on the West Coast, so the kids on the East Coast don't get to see him. And on a mediocre you team, know, is is it David Wright? Well, it was, and then David Wright hurt his back. David Ortiz is retiring. I mean, who is it? Jose Fernandez had the potential. I know he only pitched every fifth day. He had the potential to be that face. So what better way than to bring passion for the game to the forefront and make it an annual award and to name it after the guy who had the most passion in the game for the last three years? It's uh, it's a no-brainer. I really hope that the MLB does something like this for sure. Uh, But but kudos to the Mets for sure, but even more um, to the Marlins for keeping it together and really showing us fans what this what a team means to each other and what a person's life means to a person um and to a friend and to a brother and to a son it all it's a tearful occasion and uh the last thing i could say is i just hope jose rests in peace you know and and david samson is the president of the Marlins in the front office for the Marlins he actually made a very good point where he said you know it's just the game you know and we look at it and, and, and it's and it's it, I think he called it a quote a stupid game when you think about everything else that goes on 
So well, when you think about it, us normal people are at work, quote work. These people are quote playing a game, right? And for it's, a living, it's their job. It's a game. And it's it, fun. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And you know, just our, our, our from the J and J baseball show. Our thoughts are with the Miami Marlins and the family of Jose Fernandez and the fans and everybody affected by this tragedy. Um, our thoughts also go out to the other two gentlemen who were killed in the in the crash who are friends of Jose Fernandez and certainly. we hope that everybody gets the comfort yeah, that they need and that everybody in due time can remember these these people for a blessing. Right. So well that felt good to talk about it. Um we're gonna you know, now that the Mets you know, obviously the Mets and the and the Marlins had played, so we'll talk about the Mets since our last podcast and don't look now, but I said this a few weeks ago, Josh, and I'm still sticking to it because the Mets are looking like they're going to win win the number one wild card. I think it's I, amazing. I, if you were to play back the tape from earlier in the season when Jamie's like, ah, this is it. We're done. Over, the Mets are yeah. done. They're over. Goodbye. The Mets look like a legitimate playoff team at this moment. Well, we're going to be in the playoffs because I think the Cardinals are dead. I do think it's going to be the Mets versus the Giants. Well, does the Mets win one more game they're in? So the Mets' magic number is two. Right, so, so they, any combination, any combination of, of Mets' wins and Cardinals' losses to equal two. Or Giants at that point, right? No, no, it just Giants matters. Giants be three, right? Yeah, it right. just matters about the Cardinals for the magic number just yep. to clinch. Fair point. Um... But I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to get a home game. I think I'm going to end up spending a lot of money to go to that home game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out, who the Mets are going to be facing in the wild card, where the game's going to be. Since our last podcast, I want to talk about a few, uh, a few Mets MVPs um, and really one LVP. It's really kind of nitpicking at this point. Um, MVPs, three people. One is as Drupal Cabrera, two is Seth Lugo, and three is Robert Kesselman. So let's talk a little bit about uh, as Drupal Cabrera. Um, I think last year's team MVP was no doubt Curtis Granderson propelling us to the World Series. You know, certainly Daniel Murphy thrown in there as well. This yeah, year, he'll never be the MVP again, right, guys. right. But this year, this guy is Drupal Cabrera has put the team on his back when we need him most. He's been an inspirational leader, a veteran presence. Defensively, he's been outstanding all season. And in his last 30 games, he's batting 320... Last 30 days, sorry. He's batting 324, seven home runs, 19 RBIs, um, 18 runs scored in over 100 plate appearances. I mean... This guy was supposed to be washed up. He was supposed to be a bridge until maybe this younger kid, Ahmed Rosario, was going to come up um, in a year or two. As Drupal Cabrera, out of the two-hole, too, has been nothing short of uh, the best shortstop in the league, in my opinion. He's been, he's, been, he's been very good. I mean, he's been a definite upgrade from last year. I think we can agree on that. So Defensively especially. Defensively, you know, he's been an upgrade. And I would argue that the Mets really bought low on him coming off coming off a um subpar year in tampa you know far cry from his all-star days in cleveland and all of a sudden he's batting 324 over the last 30 days and he looks 
like he solidified the middle infield for the Mets. So the Mets are very eager to have him, I'm sure, and I'm glad. I'm sure they're glad that they have him for next year as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're, we're lucky to have him next year, and that gives Ahmed Rosario another year to develop in the minors, and Absolutely. He'll hopefully it transitions nicely. Now let's talk a little bit about Seth Lugo and Robert Kesselman. Obviously, they're taking over for the multitude of, of injured Mets for the season. We're talking about Matt Harvey out for the year, Zach Wheeler, and now most recently Jacob deGrom and Steven Matz all out for the season, all have undergone surgery. Which is pretty nuts if you think about that. Yeah, these are four guys that were supposed to be in our rotation. On surgery. Who had surgery. Yeah, they're supposed like, to be in the it. knife surgery. Bartolo Colon was supposed to be a reliever, a relief pitcher by yeah. now. Yeah. So these guys, Seth Lugo, a 26-year-old, almost 27, and Robert Gesellman, a 23-year-old, coming up from AAA, definitely not highly touted as, uh, as a Michael Fulmer was or any of the Noah Syndergaards or Matt Harvey's or anything like that. All these guys have done is come in in the midst of a playoff chase and win games. Big games, because when you're in the midst of a playoff chase and you're the New York Mets in this situation, it's not as if you have games that, like, okay, like we can get... Every you know, game, this game matters. Every game for the Mets mattered since I would argue the beginning of August. Absolutely, to we, some degree, more or less. Absolutely, and they, you know the Mets put themselves in situation, but they had to get themselves out of the situation, and they did nicely. Absolutely. So Robert Gesellman, since he's been uh, put into the uh, the starting rotation, uh, he's got a record of three and two, a two five six ERA, uh, and the Mets themselves are. Uh, Four and three in, in those games themselves. So you know maybe you know we've had a few tough luck, tough luck losses in there, um, but this guy has looked unhittable at times. And only a 23 year old, um, just exciting stuff. But even more impressively is Seth Lugo. Uh, he's got on the season a five and two record. But the most impressive thing about it is since he's been put into the uh, into the starting rotation. Back on August 25th against the Cardinals, the Mets are seven and zero in his seven starts. That's unbelievable. His his uh, his last his losses themselves that you know they came back when he was a reliever. So well, Seth Lugo is, is been. I mean, these guys. I'm waiting for them to have a bad start. You know, knock on wood. I'm but I'm waiting for it to happen, and it's just not happening. Can you imagine next year when when? Harvey and DeGrom and Mats and Wheeler, these guys come back, and you've got Syndergaard and you've got Lugo and Gesellman, you're going to have Bart and all these guys. You're going to have an overabundance of starting pitching, pitching yeah. with, with playoff experience. Right. I mean, talk about a team that, that down the line is going to be dangerous. I mean, these guys also are arbitration eligible. It's not as if it's, you know, your two starters are going like the Nationals, like, they had to re-sign either Zimmerman or Strasburg. Right? Right. They couldn't keep Fister, and then they signed Scherzer, but these didn't develop right. with them. I mean, it's these like, are all young guys right. going to be paid. We're all you know, Mets, Prosco, all came from that system. It's unbelievable, and that gives us even the opportunity to make a trade. Absolutely, you can get a trade. You can. I don't know how much we can get, get for whoever you want. Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't know how much we could get for a for a rehabbing insert name here. You know, I don't want to start any speculation I don't know if you here. Need, you need that. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's just great to see the catch. Mets are on the on the cusp of clinching a wild card berth. And a dangerous team. To watch I don't know for. if you guys picked up what Josh just said. Get a catcher, but my LVP, 
has been is the Mets catching situation. Been, the catching situation has been Travis Darno and Rene Rivera really have been bad. Rivera is the only okay defensively. I think that's his saving grace. Darno is bad more so than R- Rivera's defense, and he he does have a strong arm. But it, it, the way he's able to to call a game and work with mm-hmm. these young pitchers and motivate them from behind the mound. To me, that's leadership, and that's that's invaluable. You can't teach that. But offensively, Rene Rivera's challenged. Travis Darno challenged on both sides. Travis Darno was the centerpiece. He was the centerpiece of the Noah Syndergaard trade and the R.A. Dickey trade. Right. He was the he was the must-have for the Mets. He was also major league ready, and he was close. Well, allegedly major league ready, but he, this guy's got he's batting two fifty on the season. <clears throat> He's got four home runs. Yeah, with no power, no RBIs. He he's got like base. 15 he's RBIs. Got three walks. I mean, it's he's really it's a nice. real slug of it for him. And every time he's up there, I'm I'm just like, I'm telling myself, Travis, one time, just like one big hit, one home run, and he, it's a lazy ground out to short. So Travis Darno, I mean, I'll keep that one time mantra going. I'll keep it up because you know, one time I know it will happen. He will get a hold of one. And he will have a big hit for the Mets, but it still hasn't happened yet. Nope. And therefore, he is my LVP. And that's all I got for the Mets this week. All right. So the Yankees always find ways to make it interesting. The Yankees are probably done. I mean, they're 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 what are they? They are four games out of the uh, the wild card spot in the American League. I mean, their their magic number to be eliminated is one. Well, let's just say, I think that the season ended in the Red Sox series. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but it's also it's so Yankees. It's so Jekyll and Hyde. The Yankees get swept by the Sox, and then the Yankees do what they did, you know, yesterday, where they were down three in the ninth inning against Craig Kimbrell, who's an All Star, one of the best closers in baseball. Yep. Mark Teixeira, my MVP for the week, hits a, a walk off grand slam. Michael Kay is going nuts. The fans are going nuts. How exciting was that? That was unbelievable, especially because. Teixeira's games are numbered. He's retiring in a few days. First of all, it's too bad it didn't count. I'll start there. Secondly, it was two years to the day that Derek Jeter had the walk-off hit in his game against Baltimore in his last game at Yankee Stadium. So I think Mark Teixeira should go out on a high note, and that should be the the cruising shot into the sunlight. But yeah. he's a gamer. I'm sure he wants to play, and he can do what he, does. he wants. Yeah, that, that he owes be, me nothing. So That could be the right thing, though. It could be. But That's Mark, not our job. Mark Teixeira, Grand Slam. Just The guys, throughout his tenure as a Yankee, has had excellent defense. Um, he's had injuries over the last few years, but it hasn't sapped his... His team spiritness, if that's a word. He's been he's been a great team player. Spirituality. 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 He's been a great team player. Um, and he and he will be missed. And I think it's important to know that Greg Bird um, and Tyler Austin um, coming up next year, they're gonna be the, the Yankees first base tandem next year. They both is that, got, is that a platoon or righty lefty? They're gonna have most likely Bird as the predominant first baseman. Um, Austin can play both corner outfield spots as sure, well as first so base, could, so he's, he's worth having on the roster. Sort of you cycle him through. All right. But I think it's cool that they both play with Mark Teixeira at different times where they were the first baseman. Yeah. Because they probably learned more than if they had been just on the 40-man roster. Absolutely. Just as, 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 as has-beens. Absolutely. There's probably few, few better first basemen today to learn from than you know a veteran presence, mm-hmm. great defensively. Mm-hmm. 
in, in his heyday, offensively, very good. I mean, the guy had, had 10 seasons in a row, I think, of was it 30 home runs and 100 RBIs, 100-plus RBIs. Yeah. That's production. That's why he got paid. But it's also the thing with, um, with shortstop, with Didi Gregorius, who played a year and a half with Alex Rodriguez, and Alex Rodriguez helped Didi become a better shortstop. I mean, these guys, these older guys are paying it forward. Carlos Beltran yeah. has helped literally every Yankee says, I think Didi says it, Castro says it, Beltron was so helpful in terms well, of just explaining it, hitting. It all. So, and how exciting is it, too, as a Yankees fan, it must be, Josh, mm-hmm. in a season that could have been lost after the trades and everything, you guys are still, what, six games over five hundred. You, you made it interesting. Yep, absolutely. You had a full season of competitive baseball. That's fun. The Yankees haven't had a losing season since, I believe, the early 90s. That's great. You know, they haven't made the playoffs as, as, as much recently, but they haven't had a losing season. Must be nice. So it's exciting. And Must you know, be I nice. <laughs> count my blessings. But For Mark sure. Teixeira, MVP, LVP, and I'll keep this brief because it's just a weekly thing, I guess, just in the past week. But Dylan Batanzas has struggled a little bit. He's a three-time All-Star. He's got a lot of strikeouts. I'm sure that there's some mechanical flaw that they'll work out and they'll work on his fielding in the offseason. Or is it overuse? It could be. It could be overuse that contributes to a mechanical flaw. Sure. I fully believe like that could tire, be it. a tired arm. Absolutely. Could be a tired arm. Could be all of that. They'll work on it. I really am not worried about Dylan Batanzas. He's been an all-star for three years in a row. As a setup man. As a setup man. So I, I, I think they'll be fine. Sure. Um, and just the average Rob Refsnyder. It's almost like we forgot about him. Um, I mean, he's played. <laughs> he's, I think, had one plate appearance in the last week. Um, Ref Snyder was supposed to be a top, you know, second base prospect, and I was reading an article today about the Yankees have given up on Rob Ref Snyder. Certainly seems like that because the Yankees have not played him a lot anywhere. Yeah. So that's kind of average because I'm sure he's annoyed. I'm sure that um, the Yankees have an idea of what they want to do, but alas, we're on this show. We're not building the team. We're no Joe Girardi over here. Um, I do want to talk about one quick thing though. There was a um, an interesting brawl in the. Um, Monday Night Yankees game where, Yankees Blue Jays Where Luis Severino hit Josh Donaldson On the elbow guard in the first inning Fine, hit him, it was a little wild He, I think, had two more walks And he walked in a run, whatever, fine In the bottom of the inning, J.A. Happ Who was pitching for Toronto, threw the first pitch behind Chase Headley Yep And J.A. Happ, by the way, he's not like uh, he's not Good control Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's no, uh, no flamethrower out no, there He's not no, gonna no. really, you know But then he, um he hit Chase Headley with the second pitch, and the bench is cleared. And Joe Girardi, who had a very valid point, runs out there, gets ejected. But he was saying, you basically just gave my, my uh, their pitcher free shots at my guys because they were then warned. Both benches were warned right after. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, just says a lot that for whatever reason, the umpire just didn't get what was going on yeah. and then reacted too late because what happened in the next inning is Severino was like, you just threw two at my guy. I'm going to throw at yours. Yeah. And he hit Justin Smoke. And then Josh Donaldson goes nuts. And they all go nuts. And you know what? Shame on the Blue Jays because it just seems like the Blue Jays do this thing where they manage to get on, under everybody's skin a little bit. I mean, if you look at what happened with Texas last year. Yep. Now, I think Toronto's a good team. And this year. That, that spilled over to this year. Absolutely. I think Toronto's a good team. But I remember when Josh Donaldson was on the Oakland Athletics. He had these little tiffs with yeah. Manny Machado and with, with Baltimore. It just seems... It's a bit of a, a sense bit of, of a sense of entitlement almost. A, l- a little yeah. bit. And and he's a great player and, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there seems to be a minor attitude um, flub, which might need to be corrected. That's all I'm saying. 
Toronto is a very good team. They're better than my Yankees this year. They're a team to watch out for in the playoffs. I just hope that if they they're mindful. The I hope they're mindful of these brawls because, oh, by the way, two of their players got hurt in the brawl Monday night. Yep. So, in the midst of a playoff chase. In the midst chase. of a playoff chase. So, Speaking of the playoffs, I mean, we are uh, we're in for some good baseball these, this last series. I mean, we do have a bunch of divisions clinched. In fact, all of the divisions are clinched. All the divisions are clinched. Just to uh, rattle them off for you real quick, AL East goes to the Boston Red Sox who were in last place last season, so good for them. Um, in the Central, the upstart Cleveland Indians, bunch of young kids, no one really saw that one coming. And in the West, Texas Rangers have a... Uh, chugging along. Yep. That's all they do. Adrian Beltre looks great. And in the National League, unfortunately, the Washington Nationals have, uh, have clinched the NL East. Uh, in the Central, the Chicago Cubs who have won over 100 games. They're at 101 right now. Yeah, they, uh, they look pretty good. Yeah, they've they've clinched uh, home field throughout. They've clinched everything they can clinch but yep. the World Series and the Pennant. And, and you got to consider them the World Series favorite <laughs> right now. Absolutely. And in the West, the the Los Angeles Dodgers have, have clinched, and they took it, have taken advantage of uh, the San Francisco Giants basically uh, looking like a shell of themselves since after the, uh, the All-Star break. So... With the exception of the Mets, and with the exception, of, excuse me, with the exception of the Giants, and the exception of the Red Sox, yes, the other teams that will be in the playoffs, as it stands now, even if Detroit qualifies or Seattle, none of these teams have won a World Series since the 1980s, which is or great. Is Toronto won in the early 90s, but they haven't won in over 20 years. That was forever ago. Yeah, won in over 20 years. So that's really exciting for baseball. That's good, and that's how it was last year too between mm-hmm. the Mets and the Royals. They, yep. you know, it was uh, it was a new team up there, mm-hmm. and that was great. Either way, very um, exciting. And we still got exciting wild card baseball to go too. You know, I'm still confident that the Mets are going to get the wild card one and get the home game. But between the Giants and the uh, and the Cardinals, a lot of a lot of important baseball to be played, and the Mets just control their own destiny. And back in the AL for the wild card, Toronto's up a game right now over the over the Orioles. That would be pretty cool for the AL East to get three teams in. That would be cool. But also be cool though if Detroit or Seattle. Seattle yeah. hasn't been the playoffs in a while since two thousand and one. Seattle's never been to the World Series. Yeah, and Seattle's got a really good hitting team this year. Detroit's only one game out. Seattle's two games out. So, you know anything could happen. Yep. Um, so exciting baseball to be played, for sure. Final thoughts, Jamie. Well, my final thoughts are, uh, let's go Mets. I uh, can't help but be confident right now. Our players are hitting, our bats are moving, scoring multiple runs a night, many, many runs. Cespedes is looking good. Jay Bruce is finally starting to look good. Our pitching's looking as good as it can be. Familia's had save number 50 last night. Most for Dominican player, by the way. Yeah. I mean, we're just we're look like we're uh, we're getting hot at the right time. So let's just keep moving forward, boys. I have two quick final thoughts. The first is World Baseball Classic field is now set. I was actually at two of the games in the Brooklyn qualifier last week. Team Israel looks awesome. Ike um, Davis, really exciting. A team of Ike Davis and Josh Satin and Craig Breslow and Ryan Lavarnway and Jason Marquis. Just it, it was just so cool. I mean, Jamie and I are both Jewish. Many of you know that. Huh. Um, you know, we were rooting for Team Israel, and it's just very exciting. I was actually there with some of my buddies, 
at the game, and, and it's just it's just amazing to see the um, the Jewish baseball players with all the pride that they they have playing for Team Israel. Um, special shout out to Zach Borenstein, right fielder, number thirty five. Uh, who threw me a ball. We were sitting in right oh, field. Oh, how nice is that? lines up in warm-ups after he's done throwing and uncorks a, um, a throw. And thank God I brought my glove and I caught it. But really two exciting games. Mazal Tov, congratulations to Team Israel. Looking forward to seeing you guys play in South Korea in March. Also to note, Vin Scully's final three games this weekend. Highly implore everybody to watch. Just a public service announcement, it's right? It's a public service announcement to everybody. Um, but that's all we got. Let us know your thoughts, nybaseballshow at gmail.com. We'd love to, to hear your thoughts on the end of the season. and Take a listen back to, uh, to one of our first episodes as well, our, our prediction special. See, uh, see how we see did. See how we did. Yeah, I don't think we did too right well. Out of my mouth, yeah, so. I don't think we did too well. So it's exciting stuff, and we'll look forward to chatting with you guys soon. Take care, everyone.